everyone, and welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We have reached episode 746. This is being recorded on October 25, 2023. I am Sebastian Peak. I am Jeremy Hallstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Sprunberg, podcasting from an undisclosed location. And not actually laying on a mattress. I know what it looks like. Where are you? Are you laying on a mattress? I can't tell. Is that a curtain? <laughs> are you in a hotel? <laughs> He's in an I'm undisclosed not. location. An undisclosed. I'm just worried that my stewardess costume hasn't appeared yet for next week's podcast. <sighs> I'm sorry. You know, oh, yeah, I guess this is kind of the Halloween episode. I didn't dress up or anything. None of us did. Oh, well, no, but for episode is. 747, no. don't we all have to dress up as airline stewards? Oh, I need a pilot's cap or something. Yeah. Mm. Flight attendant. I believe that's the correct terminology these days. Josh promised everyone a pilot's outfit, so mm. he did. I'll be dressing up as a G2 pen. Yes. <laughs> Capless. Capless. Top off and no Capless. Chance. We've reached the Patreon part, the uh, begging for money part of the show. Let's go to patreon.com slash PCPer. That's P-C-P-E-R. Uh, patreon.com. Just do it. Become a patron of the PC per arts throughout history. Artists have needed patrons. They've needed people to support them because artists choose to do things that don't make any money <laughs> and aren't appreciated by everyone until after they're dead. So please help so us stay alive. Be a Medici. Yeah. Huh? Except don't be a de Medici because they were no. really bad people, but they supported the arts like nobody's business. So be a nice de Medici. Be like that. For us, I guess. And uh, Dave. You like Dave. Dave is jolly and you green. Like Dave. He is Dave. It's, his last name starts with an F, but he also has a jolly and green handle as well. Thank you, Dave. Extra special Dave. Patron. Thank you. Patron Thank of you. PC Per. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's time for our weekly food segment with Josh. Please don't let us down. Okay. So, um, Oddly enough, I took yesterday, today, tomorrow, and the next day off from work because it's been nonstop um, work. And so I needed a staycation, stay at home, get some things cleaned up, do a couple of projects, you know. And one of the things that I did today was I actually went to Born of the Ball. I, I didn't even take takeout. I, I sat at the bar. I, I had a beer. And I had this really wonderful cheesesteak with tots. Let me tell you about this cheesesteak. One that's that's queso on it, and then covered with cheddar, right? And the steak itself is is this really high grade sirloin, um, cut fairly thin, but not real thin. Perfectly seasoned, uh, green peppers, onions, and just I, I don't know what all they put on it, but it was absolutely a fantastic cheesesteak. Couldn't eat it that way. I had to get the knife and fork out because it was so big, so messy. It would have been impossible. And I don't know how they prepared the sirloin, but it was fantastic just by itself. It could have been a meal, and, and I would have been ecstatic. But it was it was uh, it was an embarrassment of riches to be able to experience it hot off of the kitchen in its home, its native home. And uh, with a beer, which I, oddly enough, I, I don't drink in the afternoon very often. But when you do, so you drink is, from a mason jar. Well, yeah. 
yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. you know, I was born in a barn, so you drink out of a nice <laughs> But yeah, the tots were so, great. Nice and crispy, not hard, nicely seasoned. It was an excellent lunch and I'm, I'm still quite full again. Lovely. Yeah. Those tots did look perfectly done. They were yes. wonderful. Crisp, crisp. Your use of uh, Boca in the short distance also was very appreciated. Thank you. There was a kind of naturalness to the Boca too. I don't think it's artificial really portrait mode stuff. This no. is just uh, it's uh, it good. This is it's real lighting. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, though. Yeah, it's, phone, it's the Galaxy S twenty three. Is this your phone right that's, here? That's, Who's taking the no, picture? That's, that's the S ten. <laughs> my work. Mm. Oh, you have a separate okay. work phone. Okay. Yes, okay. I do. The tyranny of the work phone. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's that's not a oh lot of God. physical well, distance to get a nice amount of bokeh there. So. It's in the detail. Thank you. I mean, even being resolved through this uh, compressed Twitter photo, it's. I mean, look at the. You can see like the. It is nice. The the, 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 the cheese puck, the puckering. 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 Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can see it. Yeah, you can see the glistening of the uh, the fat content mm. in the sirloin. Mm. The spices and the peppers. on the top. Look at that, yeah, look look at at the that gleam. That is ray tracing. You can see the windows off of the, uh, yeah. uh, off of the peppers. So yeah, uh, I had not tried their cheesesteak before. And boy, I've been missing out. It's time for the PC Perspective News Desk. And our first story tonight is probably one of many to come about the changing architectural landscape in the personal computer realm. Because as you know, x86 is basically dead and buried because of exciting news stories like this one, which was at the time an exclusive report from Reuters on NVIDIA making ARM-based PC chips in major new challenge to Intel. This is from a couple of days ago. There have been so many news stories from various outlets talking about both NVIDIA and AMD jumping into the PC CPU market but with ARM architecture. And I don't think Intel is ready for this. If well, they're no, serious mentions how badly NVIDIA screwed up the first time. The non-pro surface was NVIDIA. <clears throat> but hopefully they've learned their lesson. <clears throat> okay, well, there's this that whole... first one was just awful. There's this whole Microsoft... Was it uh, Windows RT? Was yeah. that what it yeah. was? Yeah. That was the one. As many incredibly positive things as you can say about ARM and it being the future, and I think it is, I'd be a fool to deny it. I mean, just look at what Apple's doing. They converted their entire computer lineup. Mm-hmm. I know it's single-digit market share and people scoff at it, but they took an entire ecosystem and moved it over to ARM, and the things are very fast and efficient. They make their Intel counterparts from just 2019 look slow and outdated by comparison. yes. Very embarrassing. Yes. Um, the $2,000 Mac Studio, not even the $4,000 one, the $2,000 one is faster than any Intel Mac Pro ever made. Yep. Much faster. It's not even close. So it's just, there was a good move on their part. But they were able to devote the time and the engineering into making the operating system work beautifully. And and their partnerships with a lot of the major software yeah. guys, like Adobe is, I mean, Adobe and Carmen Apple Carmen have been them. synonymous with uh, productivity apps and, you know, video stuff. And, and yeah, Apple, you know, included a lot of, uh, 
uh, accelerators in in their M class systems that you know because they're 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 in a walled garden. They do things with the OS to make sure that this is supported well, and then work directly with their partners and give them the tools to uh, to accelerate on this and to make it you know a very nice running. Uh, overall system. And of course, the weakness there is if you're an up and comer and you don't have that relationship with Apple and you release software, you're originally probably going to be on the PC. And if you get the market share and Apple approaches you, I guess, then, then you could you know support that. But yeah, that that's, that's, you know, one of those kind of corner cases that stinks, but um, it's a corner case. So yeah, it's one of the, it's pretty one impressive of the other things what Apple has done. You reminded me, Josh, you reminded me. One of the things they did is they sort of um, were able to reach API parity between their A-series-based a um, operating systems and their M-series-based. And we're talking about their mobile space, iPads, I- iPhones, clearly very, very popular. A lot of them out there. And the M-series and their desktops and laptops. And they slowly they've been sort of merging these things and getting API parity between them. So they were able to leverage both populations into things like Photoshop on the iPhone was very, very close to getting them onto their M series CPUs when those came out. So they were able to use some of that as well. And they didn't, as we've talked about a few minutes ago, they didn't have to dump millions of dollars into their lab to get them to port it because they already had a population of of processors and systems and an API layer, most importantly, an API layer that these um, application providers could program to that would easily translate into their desktops once they adopted ARM. Just for reference, before the show officially started, we were talking about, among other things, Windows Phone yeah. and its failure yeah. because the CEO of Microsoft, uh, Satya Nadella, was talking about you know his biggest regret ended up being canceling Windows Phone. And their biggest issue wasn't that the hardware was bad because they had really good hardware from Nokia at the time or that the operating system was bad. I, I used a Windows phone for about a year myself. The, the phone was great. The hardware was great. The lack of app support killed it because you just didn't have it. And they had to pay dearly to get the apps they had. And then they were not consistently mm-hmm. updated. They didn't have feature parity with Android and iOS. And the apps are everything on a mobile device. So absolutely, it 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 died, and it it just needed to change. They just needed to adopt Android, and you know, skin it and run Android apps. But I feel like if they move to ARM, if if Microsoft, you feel like Apple, okay, Apple approaches Adobe and other companies, and you know, gives them a bunch of money and support, and yeah, well, Microsoft is a big company too. Why can't Microsoft go to Adobe and say, hey, we want you to make the best version? of Photoshop, about of, of the entire creative suite, whatever it's called now, the subscription service that nobody can live without, and make it ARM and make it just as good as the one you make for the M-series silicon for Apple and make it better. Make it the best ever and we'll compensate you for it and make this the creative professional's dream system and we'll work with featured partners to bring you incredible, sleek-looking machines that can be smaller than ever, they can do all the same things that Apple has done with these, you know, Mac mini size systems that oh, are smaller. like pro level. So it it's, and then the, the laptops, that's the, the, the killer. Yeah. 
Because going on also right now is uh, Qualcomm's, uh, I think, Snapdragon wow. Summit or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And they should be one of the ones that's most scared about NVIDIA doing this. Yeah, really. Because, I mean, this thing, they are late. Yeah. There may be a lot of interest and, in, you know, there's, you know, analysts over there and trying to pump up investor interest. But uh, Qualcomm announced, nice and all, but yeah, Qualcomm announced this a year ago. If you go AMD searching... If you go searching for Orion, or however you pronounce this, you'll find stories from November of 2022 about this. This is not new. Ooh. They've renamed it, I guess. Now it's Snapdragon X Elite with Orion CPU cores. This is Ryan Smith at Anantech at the summit, learning all about this new architecture. And it's very interesting. Snapdragon X Elite, which is going to be the high end. Uh, has 12 of these Orion cores at up to 3.8 gigahertz. Two-core turbo up to 4.3. So you've got Adreno graphics with 4.6 teraflops. You know, is that FP32? You think that's FP32? P16? We're talking mobile here. But this is going to be in laptops. They're they're talking about this being a Intel killer in laptop. Let me look at this one performance. Well, they plan this out before the whole ARM thing. Well, yeah, they're talking, okay, up to 2x faster CPU performance versus competition at ISO power. Some of the fine print is interesting. It says matches competitor peak performance at 68% less power. First of all, there's no AMD on this chart. And if you're looking at current gen Intel mobile stuff, I think the 14th gen mobile with the new architecture is going to blow this stuff away. The current stuff, like the 1360p, that sort of thing. Because they're not on the most efficient mobile architecture of all time right now. And the, some of the power numbers on Intel current gen, like Core i7, mobile parts are pretty high. So if you look at what Qualcomm is saying, it says that the maximum performance reflected by the i7-1360p and i7-1355u represent maximum achievable results in given platforms under unconstrained PL1 PL2 settings and no thermal limitations. So, so they let apparently those chips everything they can and get as hot as they want. So they they put them into some kind of platform that allowed them to run with no PL1 or PL2 limit, which would not happen in a shipping laptop in no. situation, unless it was some kind of crazy gaming laptop design. A 1360p would be found in like a a yoga, some kind of convertible, thinner laptop form factor. So not only did they run it Mm. with no power limits, they also ran it in a non-thermally constrained situation. So they Mm. took the case apart, they had some kind of exotic cooling on it, or they put it in a freezer, which is a technique that has been known to be used in uh, SOC benchmarking in the past. And... uh, And Apple laptops. yeah. Yeah. So... Somehow they got these things to just, you know, ridiculous levels of power draw. And in that situation, the Snapdragon X Elite, twice as efficient. So I would just like to see a real world example of this, see how close they are. But really, I want to see it against AMD's current mobile architecture. And I want to see it against AMD or Intel's next architecture. We actually I'd also go... like to see a real Qualcomm powered laptop as opposed to an engineering kit that 
who this knows probably what is thicker going on in than there. a phone book and yeah <laughs> so <clears throat> a lot of questions still i'm not jumping on the bandwagon when we're hearing all of these numbers and it's based on geekbench and it may or may not have been run on linux or possibly on Windows 11. I think this one says it was run on Windows 11 for just the power testing, but the Geekbench numbers they were throwing out there were based on uh, a specific version of Geekbench on a specific version of uh, Debian. So, I don't know. Yeah, there are so many things to to even cover here. I, I don't know how, just because... Um, Qualcomm, you know, does a lot of their own designs, but they base it on a lot of their licensed designs as well. And so when you look at, you know, from like 10,000 feet up, you see how each of these cores handle L2 and kind of L3 caches. The latency involved is, is fairly significant as compared to, you know, what AMD and and Intel uh, does just because a lot of those things are, are so you know, tightly kind of bound in there uh, with the design. But, you know, of course, the, the 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 strength of ARM is that you can license out multiple technologies from them and you can scale them up. But that scaling is, again, it's the, the, the parts are not really, I mean, how do I say this? I mean, they're, they're designed for each other, but they're, are not like hand laid out. Uh, so like, you know, Hey, here's this four core thing. And, uh, we've got the L2 caches on each core. And then we've got this crossbar or this ring bus that, that goes to, uh, the L3. And it's, it's kind of not like that on the arm side. I mean, they, they've got a lot of infrastructure in between all of these parts so that they can scale them out really, 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 really easily as compared but you always are going to suffer some performance hits. And so, yeah, these, these, these benchmarks like geek bench, um, they're kind of designed to make almost these, these mobile parts look better. And I'm not trying to downplay arm and say they make crap because they don't, they make, you know, one of the most, you know, sold CPUs in the world. I mean, they're in every, cell phone thing uh one way or Everything. the other yeah and i mean their performance is is very good i mean they were they were you know kind of nipping on skylake type ipc but it it just i mean there are still some disadvantages going to arm now uh energy efficient yes they 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 are i mean when they design things from the outset they're very efficient i mean you're running a cpu at half a watt you know, to maybe one to two watts at, at actual, actual absolute load. And that's going to be CPU and graphics on, you know, a handheld. And you're not talking about 35 watts. But when you go into these mobile spaces and you're going against AMD and Intel parts, there are going to be significant differences in overall performance. And we haven't even gotten into the software aspects of, you know, an OS that, you know, natively runs it really, really well. Linux has done a great job uh, with ARM and especially in the server world, they've, they've, you know, gotten better and, and ESXi has gotten in there and, and all these things, but, you know, the vast majority of production productivity machines do not run. Uh, well, okay. That's wrong because all my AI machines run Ubuntu, but 
<laughs> people who are doing video editing, photo <laughs> editing, stuff like that, they're Why probably going to be not? either on an Apple <laughs> or a, a Windows machine. Um, and I, I know, know that I feel like I'm, I'm going here in no. circles. But there, there are some lunatics. My video on Emacs. They DaVinci <laughs> Resolve is a industry standard application that runs on every platform. So that's true. Yeah, there's one. Yeah, yeah. No, it's lunatics uh, are but, doing but it on it's, phones it's not, nowadays. Well, yeah. This, but, but people kind of look and say, you know, Nvidia is going to do this, AMD is going to do this. Sky is falling for Intel. Well, but when you look at these results, no. when you look at Doctor Petrus. <laughs> Uh, on Twitter, if you look at these results here, here is Qualcomm Orion single-threaded performance, says the good doctor, versus Apple M2, 14% faster at 30% less power, versus Intel i9-13980HK, that's a 65-watt part, 1% faster at 70% less power. This is no, the I'm, future. I'm gonna Get the excited. Laptop. I'm going to wait for the laptop. Let's drill down a little bit in the, the comments. Uh, what workload was used to get these results? He's like, oh, probably Geekbench or Cinebench, PC Mark. Geekbench, 6.2.1. So one Geekbench benchmark. Yes. And we have statements like, it's 14% faster at 30% less power versus Apple M2. Okay. I mean, I, everything's lower power than an Intel 13980HK. Yeah, that's a rather yeah it's, high end. But if you can yeah. match its performance, that's great. Intel again does not have a class leading mobile architecture right now. Apple does. So if Qualcomm can match or beat Apple, and Microsoft is serious about ARM this time, and actually re- releases a complete version of Windows has full, unadulterated Office and say Adobe application support and all the important players are there this time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of fun. Also funny. People are saying, well, Oh, Nvidia is, you know, finally getting into this and they've got so much, you know, GPU knowledge that they can do as compared to Qualcomm, which only has Adreno, yeah. which is an anagram of Radeon because they acquired it from ATI back in like 2004. It's another story altogether. Um, uh, you know, Nvidia has been a longtime partner of ARM. They have an architecture license. The Denver project was their first homegrown uh, code morphing type ARM based processor that, you know, has never made it big for a reason because it was kind of late and uh, it didn't compete well and uh, it took up a lot of, of space. And so, you know, I'm not saying NVIDIA has gotten worse over the time. They've obviously learned things and and they can go forward, but they've they've been here before, and it's not this new area for them. And they haven't had a new ARM-based architecture since the Denver Project, which was a decade ago now. About that, yeah, yeah, because they originally mm-hmm. was the the ARM. Uh, gosh, it was the nine. And I'm yeah, not talking ARM, you know, V9. It is, it is literally, you know, the ARM 9 architecture. That was the first. And it was a, a dual core design that had an efficiency core that uh, only worked, uh, you know, it like did all the things like, you know, it was a touchscreen controller. It was a low latency, high performance, low power controller. And it was, you know, it, it was in a couple of cell phones and they just, 
never did well. And then they got the Isera modem people and that didn't pan out. And yeah, it's been on the back fryer for a long time. So it's going to be curious to see what they do. And I mean, have they, you know, taken all this AI money and said these CPUs with, uh, you know, these accelerators and whatnot that we could possibly put in a mobile type or, you know, a, a sub 65 watt CPU GPU combo. Maybe, but they're not there yet. Let's move on from uh, all of this talk about the future of the PC, which is obviously ARM 64 and everybody's getting involved except for Intel. And we're going to talk about possibly, let's, let's use some jargon here, possibly an inflection point in Ooh. GPU architecture, shall we say, because certain points in history like, okay, let's go back to the 90s and the, the 2000s. 3D, the landscape was changing. It seemed like every month there was a new, not just a new graphics card, but a new chip maker, a new API. You had all kinds of crazy things going on for a while there. The reason we're talking about GPU hardware, Alan Wake 2 is launching this week on the 27th. So it may already be out by the time you're watching this or listening to this. And the, the issue with this game is not that it doesn't look amazing. I've watched videos and looked at screenshots and it looks phenomenal. This is finally the game that seems to showcase the true promise of what ray tracing can can do for the immersion and the experience and all this other blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm, this is not PR for the game. I'm just saying it looks really good. But it does not support GPUs as recent as the GTX 10 series, the Radeon 5000 series, yeah. So you, you, it doesn't matter if you have a 1080 Ti, and it's been going strong because oh, that hurts. Mesh hurts. shaders, it's required for Alan Wake Two. So you have to have a GeForce RTX 2000 series card or newer, Radeon 6000 or newer, or Intel Arc. You could go out and get yourself an Arc card, sports mesh shaders. You'll be perfectly fine. But uh, as as good as the game can look, and and this is an RTX on screenshot from NVIDIA, but fully ray traced game is not going to be easy on the hardware, as we saw with uh, Cyberpunk recently. Turn on full path tracing and your frame rate is going to be shockingly low, even on a 4090, unless you're using DLSS. And here on NVIDIA's own performance chart, this is 4K RT high full ray tracing preset max settings. Now this chart shows with DLSS 3.5 on, but the gray segment of the bar is with it off. And a 4090 is only capable of 32.8 frames per second on NVIDIA's own chart, unless you turn on DLSS 3.5. And then it goes up to, you know, 134 because it's doing the ray reconstruction and uh, frame generation, all that kind of stuff. So if you're looking at like a 4090 level card only producing about 30 frames per second, I am a little worried about what a, say, a 6800 XT can do since it will not have DLSS. I don't know if it'll have uh, maybe well, some frame yeah, generation. Send me from... the game and I'll test it out because it'll be horrible. Yeah, I've not been uh, given any keys to this game. I should reach out and see if we can get some to test on different hardware platforms because this, obviously, this is an NVIDIA game. This is one that they're promoting. This is one that they have uh, backed so this is a showcase for what DLSS can do. And it's a great way to sell hardware. If they're telling you that your 1080 Ti can no longer even play a game, it's time to upgrade. But 
is but can it play Alan Wake too? That's 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 the that new may become right. Is this the new crisis? Phase. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I linked in the article the our old crisis review, which I believe Jeremy did the benchmarking for. Uh, some of it. Ryan and I both did them. He said Jeremy did it right, even yeah, with an oh, eighty eight hundred no, I... GTX, which is a it was like the forty ninety of its day almost. Yes. 1024 by 768, 4XAA, very high preset, 27 frames. That's max. Average yes. is only 23.4. Don't even think about 1920 by 1200. <laughs> 10 frames for <laughs> nine frames per second. So, yeah, but who doesn't miss 16 by 10? Oh my goodness. I know. That's such a great resolution. Yes. But yeah, yeah th- this game, this game is like crisis, you know? Wait, no, it is crisis. Okay. Believe it or not, (laughs) this is when games could come out and the best graphics card of its time was giving you nine frames per second at 1920 by 1200, very high preset. So I personally have no problem with a game like Alan Wake 2 coming out and just being insane. Like nothing runs it and you're just waiting for that next generation of graphics to come out. It makes it interesting to read reviews of GPUs. Well, well, wait a minute. What about the new uh, 8,000 series card from AMD? Is that, let's see, how high do I have to go on the product stack to get 30 frames per second? What about 60 frames per second? So I don't know. It's I've not been excited about anything in GPU hardware since before 2020, I think, since before the pandemic. When everything got so expensive and this whole hobby started to become depressing. Damn you miners. And then everything else. And so, pandemic pricing. Yeah. And, and supply chain and and now NVIDIA realization pricing. you Other can charge whatever words the hell you never wanted heard of. and you still sell out. <laughs> as as long as this game isn't a huge disappointment. I know this the genre is not for everyone. This is a, a horror game, from what I understand. Yes. So, not my favorite, but if it's incredible looking and it's immersive and... What do you think about the fact that it's also being released on consoles and will therefore, of course, be very well optimized there and run just fine on the hardware that's been sitting in people's living rooms for years? And yet, PC gamers are being told, you've got to get like a 4070 Ti or like a... 7900 XTX. It suggests it could have been programmed a little tighter, but uh, it's nice to see a console game that actually is going to look better on PC noticeably, assuming they're not completely lying to us. Yeah, the opposite effect with Cyberpunk. So anyway. Yes, exactly. I think anytime you turn on full path racing on anything, I think that's, to me, the, the secret sauce that makes PC gaming really interesting it's like looking at like watching computer chronicles and seeing somebody demo a 3dfx card for the first time you're like this <laughs> is amazing this is mm-hmm. so much better than anything i can get on a home console or my current yeah. pc everything looks smoother yeah. yeah and unfortunately you could make it look like that with a 2060 but it's going to run at like five frames per second so yeah, it'll it be good for screenshots Anyway, yeah, it's... I like it. I'm going to say one last thing. I I like it that they're giving us the option to hammer on the stuff that we have and see it dragged to its knees because that means there's going to be some more interesting things coming out that will 
push hardware guys, push software guys. And uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Now for something completely different. Let's talk about browsers. Let's talk about Microsoft's engagement with users who are motivated to look for an alternative oh, to uh, Edge. What, what, how are they being treated? They're being treated to a survey asking them why they don't like this particular skin of Chrome. Or sorry, I mean Edge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so could you, hey, you're going to be downloading Chrome. Can you just spend a moment to tell us why it is you despise our version of Chrome? Like, I can't search Google easily. Well, I mean, I've met a lot of people like that, but no, I mean, setting your default to Bing does make it hard to search for Google. Uh, it's too slow. My websites don't work. Uh, my reason is not listed, but one thing they won't give you is a verbatim so that you can actually type in your true feelings about Credge. And I hate you. Microsoft <laughs> demanding that you explain why you dare to download an alternative browser. This is great. <laughs> yes, Razor, Bing has improved significantly. That, that's sort of like saying that, uh, that this horse manure that I've eaten, it's, you know, over the years gotten slightly less worse. You've got to let the AI assistant enrich your life, Jeremy. And, and, and you know, when that Bing bar pops up in the center of your new active desktop, unprompted. You know what it gets really mad at? How do I remove this new toolbar? Yeah. Oh, but have you seen the benefits of you? You, yeah, you, you need to embrace this. This is this is for your own good, and it's all just it's all part and parcel with the whole Microsoft uh, system experience. Yes, because I mean it's it's just like okay, you're leaving me fine, but can you please fill out this quick questionnaire about what I did wrong so that maybe I can win you back some days? No, just 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 go just. just retain some dignity. Oh, what am I kidding? They have none. No. No. What is no. my purpose Asking in life? Question. Your purpose is exactly. to download Chrome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nicely played, yeah. Josh. Yeah. Nicely played. If only you could do like yeah. apt get from Windows to get Correct. Chrome. Can you yeah. do that to get yeah. Chrome without even having to mm. open Edge? Then it would just uh, sort of pop up like, oh, you, we noticed you typed app get Chrome. Uh, if you considered using Bing. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, Edge so we added a new Bing. feature to PowerShell to give you a uh, <laughs> just yeah, literally right graphics now. inside of PowerShell <laughs> advertising their skinned uh, version of. If they did it in the attractive ASCII graphics, I might tolerate that. I don't know. <laughs> So there, there is a way <laughs> to download Chrome via PowerShell. Okay, hold on a second. As long as you're in an Get admin. Process. And that does make it's sense. Any of her boasts. Dumps in directory, silent, install. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to try that. without going to Edge. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> okay. So I have PowerShell pulled up on this uh, Lenovo something or other laptop. And I'm just going to paste it. There's the code. Performing the operation, remove file on target. Whoa, was it already there? Whoa. I if it's because I already have it. Run it again. Okay. Nope, same same result. Okay. Well, 
I just wonder if it cleaned up your file first and then would do something different on the second run. Probably shouldn't do that while I'm running Chrome. I actually pasted that from Chrome. <sighs> it's, it seems to still be working. Everything's fine. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's right, folks. Uh, just cutting and pasting code from the internet and slamming it into your currently operating computer. Yeah, don't worry, Sorry, it's not the one I'm streaming from. Happen. It's it's just the you know oh. the laptop that I go okay. to to show websites. Yeah. Okay. Right. In our next news story: Zotac has released a Z-Box with active solid-state cooling. It's not passively cooled. But it's not just fan cooled, is it? Is that what active solid state makes it sound like uh, thermoelectric? I, I no, don't think it has fans. Not. There is no fans. There is no thermoelectric. Okay. But if tiny membranes vibrating quickly get you going, then uh, this is the way to go. This is the air jet from four systems. So there is essentially this, this looks like a heat sink, but it's really, really thin membranes that are vibrating ultrasonically. And by doing so in different patterns, it actually causes a fair amount of airflow, enough to keep an i3 N300 well within operating temperatures. I don't think you're going to see this on an i9 anytime, but, or at least not in any reasonable size. But the whole idea that this little Zotac Z-Box PI430AJ is solid state. There's not a moving part in this thing. And one of the nice things is that they're saying some place called New Atlas, which I'm not familiar with, but they said essentially they had to put their ear right up against the system to be able to hear the vibrations. So you're not getting weird little mosquito noises, which no one what, on this podcast if, has to worry about because we can't hear if, them what anymore. What if they were Marky Mark and you could actually feel the vibrations? The good vibrations? Yes, I know, but oh, I wasn't going to go with Marky Mark because that's just okay. wrong. It's out of bounds, Josh. No but I do think that that is an interesting idea. Zotac are one of the few that, you know, are sort of pushing this mini PC idea. And hey, no fan, no pump, no spinning rust, no moving anything. It does kind of sound like spinning rust. When you have to put your ear up to it to hear the vibrations, that's like one of those, you know, Western Digital green hard drives. It's so. It sounds like this, the, the piezoelectric effect, actually. What if what if it actually canceled out coil noise? You could use what? them both, and oh. you could do it out of phase. What if it leverages the power of coil wine? The that future would. of GPU cooling could just be the vibration from all the you know power <laughs> stages of the GPU actively yeah. cooling the GPU without fans. <laughs> I mean, they make so much damn noise already that they they are louder than the quiet fans on a lot of these GPUs. You know, it's not just the noise; it's the shifting frequency. Yes, but I thought that the that asymmetrical fan design that Johnny I have talked about in those videos, uh, Brett, was why MacBook Pros were so silent. Was because they did vary the frequency because it's, it's yeah. You this, just toss this, a little ANC chip in there, little microphone, maybe. Which also technically is moving, but I mean, we're getting into nitpicking here. Uh, I believe you're you're focusing in on the asymmetry of the fan architecture and our differentiating blade pitch. Right, the blade if the blade pitch is consistent, you start to get annoyed by it. But if they shift the frequency, they said it was it, it was quieter. It seemed quieter. So, it, it, I 
I'm a little worried about this cooling system unless it somehow varies the pitch of the tiny little vibration whiny sound that well, it's, it's supposed to be ultrasonic. So only uh, your dog's going to be annoyed really by it. What if you're really sensitive to high frequencies? Fair. Uh, so we'll keep your dog away and ants well, and spiders as well. No, that'll keep, that'll keep ants away. I'll use it. I'll use it in every room of the house, starting with the kitchen. I had a real <laughs> ant problem this summer. It was uh, it was obnoxious. Let's no, move to security corner everyone's favorite increasingly large segment of the podcast we like it's like a third of the podcast now you know what Uh, and i cut stuff out well let's let's tighten it up bleeping computer citrix bleed exploit lets hijackers hijack net scalar accounts well you know what they say hijackers they hijack things that's what they do man since about two weeks ago so there's this proof of concept exploit released for the citrix bleed vulnerability CVE-2023-4966. What's the severity rating of this one? It's I, not a wasn't 10. This close to the 10. Wasn't this close to the 10, though? This is either a 9.8 mm-hmm. or something like that. It's a 9-something. Okay. I mean, this, so it, this we're was... getting sort of just blasé about, oh, it's just a mere 9-something. <laughs> just because it can use a, an unauthenticated buffer to... You know, just sort of take it over on devices which are specifically used in corporations for load balancing, traffic management, uh, VPNs, you know, password authentication, nothing important. But the, uh, yeah, the appliances that put themselves out there as uh, purveyors of security. And we're here to help protect the transit of your data and provide secure endpoints. And we're going to back this up with our reputation and our long history of being able to provide such secure services and to consistently see titans of the industry like Cisco fall to very, very significant security vulnerabilities is uh, disheartening to say the least. Uh, and to have it be this significant, and as well as uh, I read that this is being exploited in the wild. So yeah, since the seventeenth, as far as I know, that is correct. Uh, but this is a serious situation that is, uh, I think, being patched soon. <laughs> there <laughs> is partially patched. Like, yeah, there's a partial patch already. Uh, they need to follow up, from the sounds of it, with a, a bigger one because yeah, I. It's yeah, my lord. It's one of two. It's like it's there's several different vulnerabilities, and they've yeah. only patched one. Why? Why did I get into IT again? Why you should have stuck with washing trucks, man. Oh, shoulda. You really should. If only you knew. It's probably because you thought the hardware was cool, but then it just you just become mired in. Software and minutia. Yes, the minutia. <laughs> minutia that could bring down a company. <sighs> Next up, a story from Ars Technica. Hackers can force iOS and macOS browsers to divulge passwords and much more. I leak it. Just, just when you think, just when you thought it was uh, fine to get back into the Mac again, and you're going to be mm. surfing the internet with impunity. You know, most of the time that's true, but you know, in this case, it's not. It this is using our our own, our our old, uh, I should say, our old canard of uh, security vulnerability, speculative execution. Perhaps oh. we remember that from 
from the Spectre days, the bad old Spectre days. Well, this this is uh, the ability to hack uh, speculatively, executionally. Is that even a word? I don't. I don't anyway. know. You just you just uh, precedented it, so maybe it is now. You know, I I, I did. Thank you. Thank you for following that up with an, another made up word. But what's going on here is there is a a JavaScript ability here to open up a different web page at the same time as you're viewing like the cracked page or the page with the JavaScript vulnerability on it, it will open up another page that you may be, that they're hoping that you're still logged into. It might be your bank. It might be any other logged in uh, site. And they're going to steal data from that one. And they're going to do it using speculative execution. And the reason that works is because Safari on macOS and iOS uses the same thread inside the rendering space to render multiple pages at once. There are proof of concepts out there that actually show this working. Mm -hmm. Where WebKit, the underlying technology behind the browser on, on macOS and Safari, uh, is use is is trying to do something clever and use a single thread um, in a in a way that makes better use of the resources that it has available to speed up rendering, and it violates that through speculative execution and is able to extract data from an open web page that you're not on. It's a very interesting exploit. And there's proof of concept stuff out there already that's showing that it works. Nobody's safe. Never don't no. go. Don't take any drive-by buses out on the internet. Don't just no, stay home. So, just don't so use the internet it down at all. Quickly and terrifyingly. Yeah, it uses this new thing which they call eye leakage. Yes, uh, eye leakage. not not eye leakage, but uh, the other one, the lowercase uh, i. Like iPod, of course. Mm-hmm. Very, it very trendy. To capture a password as it's being autofilled by a credential manager, be it whichever mm-hmm. one you're using, it's catching that autofilled content. It takes about five minutes to profile your target and about another thirty seconds to get a 512-bit secret out of it. And do you really have 64 characters in your password? No. And that's 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 512 bits of of data, not yeah. not necessarily the secret. It just means you could be typing pretty much anything into this other space, and they're able to extract it, whether that's your password or yeah. any other bits of information. And, and in probably stupidly small amounts of time. Absolutely, beautiful. Hey, you know the other. Wait, wait. One okay. more important aspect of this is that it is being. Capable of doing this on A and M series CPUs. The believe it or not, Intel-based Macs are not susceptible to this because they patch that out. The vulnerability. I don't know the reason behind that. I don't know the reason behind that. Hmm. It's possible. Next uh, story at the register: Millions of smart meters will brick it when two. 2G and 3G turns off. I keep forgetting this is going to happen. I think 2G. I think a lot of people are forgetting this is going to happen. (laughs) The 3G being turned off is kind of unthinkable, but I guess it's been around long enough. We really do the point where everybody's expected to be on LTE or 5G. Really? What's wrong with 3G? It's. I mean, it was a good fallback. But for whatever reason, the world is getting rid of it. And so this is specific to the UK. 
but I guarantee you that smart meters in North America are pretty much built on the exact same hardware. And so, yeah, those, those smart meters you've got that can monitor stuff and will talk to the company, talk to you if you download their app, are probably running off of either a 2G or a 3G. If it's running off a of GSM, well, you already know. And this means they're going to have to replace them all because, honestly, it's probably cheaper to develop a brand new smart meter, which is 4 or 5G compatible, uh, assumedly 4G, considering the problems with 5G, and replace it wholesale than to try and upgrade something in situ to from a 2G to a 4G. Like, I just, I don't see it happening. But this is going to spread because that they are going. Uh, it depends on where you are, but most of them, it's like 2030 to 2035 that they're gone. And while this is, for the most part, government-owned organizations or private-owned organizations, because those are the only two you get to choose from, and you're giving them an average of 10 years to switch all of everything, yeah, I don't see this happening smoothly. I don't see it happening very effectively at all. But I do see it happening. So how long is a lot of this 3G, 2G, and the previous one was Edge, right? Yeah, so GSM Edge. It, uh, G- yeah. GPRS. G- GPRS, GPRS. Or GPRS, yeah. 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 And so, uh, I mean, uh, how old has that stuff been out in the field? And how energy efficient really is it anymore? I mean, obviously they're not designing new stuff for the A lower time standards. Not very. Oh, yeah. you're right. And yeah, so yeah. You they were frequency hogs. Frequency. It was. They yeah. want the frequencies back, Josh. I know, but yes, Josh, I didn't think about this because the the old hardware is going to be running on much larger process nodes, higher power draw. Oh hell yeah, yeah. So I guess from an energy standpoint, but I mean, those towers to millimeters. They only have so much it, power. They only have so much. Uh, you know, capacity. So I guess if they're all on 4G and 5G, then it makes sense. But it's going to cost us a fair amount of money to replace all them for their... Uh, I don't know, because there's going to be a lot of stuff just breaking down over the next couple of years. I mean, and it, hey, if nothing, you can toss it out and replace forever. it, yeah. that would work. Hey, it's, yeah, it's a utility. It's some, they're going to come to your house and say, hey, we're replacing your smart meter with a new... 4G smart meter. That's all. Yeah, and you'll be paying it off for the next uh, 12 months of this. <sighs> all right. Stuff's going to break. Anyway. Cisco has started rolling out iOS XE patches. We talked about this vulnerability, this problem before, but hey, yep. there's patches. Don't download <laughs> a patch from the web. It's Why? Cisco. No. Well, I mean... It's Cisco. Go through your reseller or uh, the guy that resold the resold resold Cisco mm. Switch. Are you, are, you saying directly. are you saying there's patches out there that will just wedge your device further? Uh, I don't see how saying? it could actually wedge it further than a solid 10, but uh, it's possible. Oh, this was the but 10. Yeah, it, yeah, and it's interesting that they're doing it this way. I mean, you have to... No, that's Cisco. You want a patch from Cisco, you got to go through Cisco. Oh, you don't have a contract. Well, mm. let's uh, negotiate a brand new one because otherwise you still vulnerable. Oh, you bought this equipment oh on gosh. eBay. Okay. Well, no, it will never they be. Won't literally cover they, you. What? they won't give you the patch without a contract. No, seriously. 
Wow. It, it depends. It's, it depends oh, on what that's... level of stuff you're running. Okay, fair. Because we have Josh. we have some some basic PoE switches from Cisco. You can download the firmware upgrades from the Cisco site, and it works. Unfortunately, for these ones, uh, the last one is two years ago. The last firmware that they provided, yeah. <clears throat> and so it's. Well, I mean, they're 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 doing their own obsolescence. Ah, we're no longer providing support for this. It's end of life, blah, blah, blah. You're out of luck. Get yeah. a brand new switch from us. And a contract. Because those yeah. ones would be Linksys and in Cisco clothing, wouldn't they? More or less. No, they're 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 Linksys. Well, no, no, they're 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 Cisco. I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot of Linksys really anymore. But, no, but- I, I don't know how they're I can't peer into their San Francisco offices and see the exact engineering behind it all. Let's move to gaming quick hits. And the trend continues because we have not one, but two recent PC releases that are atrocious. Uh, From a performance standpoint, they're not finished. They were not, it should not have been released in this state. Like cities, skylines, Two, which yeah, it's out. It's getting horrible reviews on Steam. I think it's actually still the best seller, or you know, at least until all the refunds start coming in. But it has Ouch. a huge fan base. I'm sure that people are going to be uh, waiting for those patches and the eventual completion of the game. But we're talking a game that I that requires really beefy hardware. I need to look up the actual system requirements. I think it was a 3080 something along those lines was recommended 1300 K 64 gig of Ram and RTX 4090 on 1440 at 35 frames a second. So obviously this is not a cutting edge game from the graphics mm-hmm. standpoint. This is not like Alan Wake two with fully path traced lighting. This is just a very, very poorly optimized PC. I don't know. Game. It, it looks pretty dense to me from the screenshots and the okay. level of detail. When you, you scroll down into his stuff, it seems like there's a lot going on. Okay, maybe. Is this the new crisis? But the the developers did admit that it wasn't really uh, ready. They said that... Well, they're talking about something about aiming for about 30 frames a second. Okay. So the Colossal Order has gone to decisions. Their, their controversial decision to release it, knowing it had performance issues... Quote, while some setups on PC have challenges, we concluded the performance is not a deal breaker for all the players. End quote. Okay, so there you have it. So if not every single person has a terrible experience, then it's not a deal breaker. And that's why no, the that's game a has a 48% uh, rating on Steam. Yeah, but over 100,000 concurrent players, so... Uh, yeah, exactly. They don't care. The wrong. money is coming in. So, yeah, <laughs> issue the, the apology. Those those free, those beautiful free words that, uh, you know... Look, we, we don't want... It's not done, but uh, we'd like to make millions of dollars, please. And we'll and fix it help later, us, we please. Promise. Yeah, we totally promise. Yeah. And it wasn't just City Skylines. Here's an article at PC Gamer about uh, Metal Gear Solid. This is actually some good news because the Metal Gear Solid collection 
has been a dud. The the PC version, that is, because it's let's see, Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 locked at 720p artificially. You'd have to use a hex editor to actually allow higher resolutions, which it can support, but oh well, wait, that's scroll, a bad scroll up a bit. What? No, don't I wanna, don't look wait, I don't want to look scroll down that. or up. No, that that's right there. <laughs> that's that's just that awful. is some serious polygons. That's worse than Doom Three. Well, this is a PlayStation Two game, I believe oh, that okay. we're looking at here. Maybe well, this is the, maybe this is Metal Gear oh, Solid okay. Three. I'm not sure. Or is this the new one? So okay. there's a patch. Do the, do the back and forth. Okay. Do there's the a side patch. Side. There's a patch that will allow you to with you know not use a hex editor, just run this and unlock higher resolution. So here's the difference between the default 720p. This is Metal Gear Solid 3. That was kind of the big one because it's the first time it's ever been on PC. Okay, this is hurting my eyes. It's like my... Uh, I'm. And then blurry. you go to 4K. It's, it's out of focus. Oh. And it's no, like it's in focus. Kinda, it's like you cleaned no, the window and now it, well, everything looks clear. So... I thank he, goodness you took all the bacon of, like, off the screen. It's better, but... Oh. He's got like 37 polygons to him. Okay. Yeah. It's, a, it's Metal Gear Solid 3. <laughs> it is way better. It's way better. How, way when did when did when did it come out? This game originally, yeah, yeah. like twenty years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So exactly. That, rejoice. That's to me. That's not the point because if it's if you're on a PC, you should have the control. Let the user decide if you want ten. 50, 100 frames per second. Give us right. the sliders. Right. Let me go to 4K or cha- beyond. Let me challenge you on this. Let me just okay. say, as a PC user, should you be slightly conversant in hex editor? Or no. at least notepad plus plus? No. Or at least notepad plus plus. Come give give me that. Come no, on. you're you're, you're using- no, but this is not the the kit computer uh era. This is not the, the early mini computer era anymore. <clears throat> These things are <clears throat> what? You know. They're supposed to be. It's you're on graphical user interfaces. Everything okay. runs your, on a script. Yours There's has the, a five and a quarter floppy. Hey, this computer is state of the hey, art. That, that is right. that is not a chief tech case. That is not in between two thousand two thousand four. <laughs> and by the way, I, this yeah. podcast is not sponsored by B and T Polar. Uh, the, I was the hoping you boutique, were running the podcast off of that one, and you were saving the boutique manufacturer that made this three eighty six DX PC. Back in, I believe, 1989. But, yeah, it's just it's just here for background. It's literally just here. It's PC perspective, so I wanted a PC. So I set one here. You bought mm. some of that cleaner to make it less yellow ivory, didn't you? No, I, this is as it was oh, shipped to me. Oh, and I'm impressed. It, it has a, a certain amount of yellowing. It's not bad. You, you can see patina. the difference it's a between the floppy drive and the... There. Drive yeah, cover there, but yeah. it's not yeah. bad. No, it's not bad at all. And I got so yeah. lucky with this computer and its uh, brother. I got two from the same Canadian seller a couple years ago. Does, because uh, does that um, does that LED display uh, does that have t- uh, display two numbers? Two, just two. Yeah, back in the day. I mean, and this 66? is a this is a very fast PC. This is the forty megahertz AMD. Ooh. Uh, 386 DX. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it has that fast storage crystal in there in the 40. I'm going to have to do a video mm-hmm. on this someday. Keep talking about it, but enough of that. Uh, so yeah, the shocking PC 
ports of games that were actually, you know, ostensibly released for the console. I mean, they were originally for the console. They were, there were PC ports back in the day. I have a copy of no, Metal Gear Solid 2 is. on DVD-ROM, the PC version in the box, and it's notorious for having poor performance, and it doesn't really look any better than the PS2 version. So just emulate. You know, just emulate the games on PC. Buy them for the PlayStation, yeah. and then emulate them on your PC. Why can't you just boot off of a USB? Oh, no. what on this? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know when uh, you take your your system and you want to add an optical drive, so you, mm-hmm. you you grab your optical drive and you attach it to the parallel port, and then you dial up the internet because you need to go online to I'm actually sorry, make what? the two talk to each other. Yeah, what? it's all right what? here. Um, PlayStation five, uh, has a new optional disc drive because, you know, maybe you didn't get the disc version. You get this new slim version that doesn't have a disc drive and, uh, you have to go online to pair it. It just seems like yeah. the disc drive is your way of going offline. I'm opting to load my games through the optical method. Um, well, it's not going to work unless that optical drive this, is connected to the internet. Why does this seem like someone has come personally to my house and slapped me in the face? Because they did? Because they did. But mm. really, if mm. you get a game on optical, and I was fool enough to think, well, I want to own my games. So I installed yes. the game off of optical, which is yeah. significantly slower than downloading it these days. So I'm waiting <laughs> and waiting for the uh, install off of the, the BDR. And finally, <laughs> it goes through, and there's a 45 gigabyte patch it has to download. Like, okay, I should have just downloaded the game, but then I wouldn't own it. I wouldn't be able to put it on a shelf like this. Um, not sure that's the point. That it is for me. It's the it's physically <sighs> owning it. I want to feel like it's, I could put it in in 20 years. I could be nostalgic and say, hey, son, let's go back and play that PlayStation 5 game oh. we used to play together. Take oh, it off I'm the shelf, dust it off. They shut down those in. servers. They shut down your authentication of your optical drive yeah. server 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is why, okay, when companies make it so that you don't actually own the things you buy, and make it impossible Who for you to use that them in nowadays? 10 years. That's when I feel perfectly justified in pirating it at that point. I bought it 10 years ago. Now I can't even play it. Okay, I'm just going to download an image of it and play it through whatever current emulator situation there is. I, I thought we agreed we weren't going to advocate uh, no. breaking laws. If I own it, <laughs> Brett, and I can't play it anymore, I am going to pirate it if I want to play it again. It's, I'm not buying not a, it in some different he's form. He's not pirating it. He's getting an electronic I'm getting backup a backup copy media. that will allow okay. me. You own it. Do what you will. Yeah. Look, you want to be digital only? You want to brag about the fact that you don't have shelves full of, you know, increasingly dusty and moldy smelling boxes? Good for you, okay? <laughs> maybe, maybe you just get all your old games on GOG like a sane person. <laughs> But hey, you, you oh, won't experience evil. 
you won't experience the joy of putting in that floppy disk and it doesn't there's nothing on it anymore. <laughs> that it's just corrupted and Unformatted then disk. the box <laughs> starts to fall apart in your hand because you know everything's disintegrating. So yeah, PlayStation 5 uh mm. another example Buy, of a Sony product that by hardware in just so many years this won't even work anymore. Yep. By by hardware, verify it on the internet. Trust us. Yes. So you're saying the uh, Xbox 360 HD DVD drive, I can no longer plug it into USB and then work on Microsoft Windows 10 or 11. Wait, well, does it? probably work, though. Actually. No, it doesn't. It doesn't? It doesn't. Oh. I tried. It, 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 what, it doesn't. Windows Vista Ultimate, though, that would work. It did. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It did. I think it worked through Windows 7, and then anything above that, it just is like... Unknown yeah. USB device. Oh, Windows 7. Yeah, Are you, do you mean the last change. good version of Windows, Josh? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Because ever since then, I feel like Windows has just been this thing we're saddled with. They're, they're apologists for. They're even fans of it. But Is this a lead up to our next thing? We've talked a little bit about PC games that were not ready when they were released. Lazy console ports, performance issues, that sort of thing. But what about hmm. games that will never be released? But, but are still oh, making really? millions every year. But somehow still already. It's like, okay, I want to make money. So I'm going to create a game, release the game, okay. and then okay. make money off of the sales. Or an idiot. Okay. work on a no. game, make all the money. And charge people for mm-hmm. it. And then never. And keep why would I even release it? it? I'm making the money now. So, mm. yeah. Squadron 42 is announced to be feature complete. It's been 11 years, but Star Citizen yeah. has no release date. It never. Oh, God, no. Well, neither does Squadron 42, for that matter. <laughs> they're, At they're least the there were lawsuits. <laughs> but no, there part are. of the lawsuits, part of the fallout from that was that Squadron 42, the single-player campaign of Star Citizen, actually got separated. So Squadron 42 is separate from Star Citizen... In theory, anyways. Okay. Uh, it's still the same guy that's just sucking money from people. Oh, well, I've invented this brand new spaceship you can't fly, but you can pay me money and you'll be able to fly it when we release the game. <laughs> Apparently, <sighs> Squadron 42, it's in the polishing stage, as I said. It might, it might actually be released before the heat death of the universe. I'm not going to bet money on this, but it might happen. And the good news is that you can just buy it and play it when it does come out. You don't have to invest, you know, your house in getting a nice ship and okay. fuel and weapons and stuff hmm. like that. But I'm sure there's an opportunity to. And it came with a good, I think it was 30, 40 minute long trailer because it sort of goes to show you why this is such an utterly frelling mistake. They're, they're, they wanted to show off the ground combat and the destructible terrain in your starship game. Uh, they've included a zoom in, when you're flying your, your fighter ship so you can actually see the ships you're trying to shoot at. Uh, that there actually are is some good actors apparently playing some of the uh, characters, and it doesn't look awful. 
if you jump through, this is just sort of a cut scene, but jump it about three or four minutes in and it might actually show you some gameplay. Oh yeah. This video is 26 uh, minutes long. Great. Oh yeah. It's really long. So it, but it just at one point they showed someone driving a boat down a river. So apparently that's sort of a thing. Okay. So I do like the 3d display of where things are relative to you, but honestly that, yeah, there you go. So you can zoom in and actually be able to fire at things because the cockpit view, you don't really see all that. That's the kind of innovation we just haven't seen in these uh, space shooters. Jeremy, the design cockpits you could actually just shoot out of. That's a quality oh, of life is. improvement that I think here was worth the eleven-year wait. A boat segment in the game. <laughs> oh. Why only eleven years? Because this some planetoids have water, years. Jeremy. Jeremy, some planetoids have water. Deal with it. Yeah, fair. <laughs> but I, I'm are they a on a star? Game. I guess this isn't Star Citizen, so I guess they can. No, it's, it's Squadron Forty Two. Hmm. I mean, I haven't Electric seen this, this level of ridiculousness since uh, Derek Smart made video games. Remember when it first and came you out? Be pretty old to remember him. Their big, their big thing was Josh you can does. walk around the ship. There, you can walk around the ship and look at it when that first came out. Yeah. in the hangar, that it's hangar like, walk around. It's like the Cybertruck. You can get excited about Cybertruck. You can watch, you know, demonstrations of it being shot with machine guns and. Having windows broken on stage, you can look at don't pictures, yeah, ball bearing in LA. Like video footage no. of it rotating. Ball bearings, dangerous. You know what's but, kind of funny? <clears throat> is that Derek Smart actually kind of became, you know, an elder statesman of, of yes. video games. And so, yeah, he was full of piss and vinegar in 2000 with Battlecruiser 2000 or whatever the hell it was. 33, I believe it was. Yeah, he was anyway. 3,000, 3, 3, yeah, something like that. Uh, and then but, uh, yeah, he uh, he you know, he got the, the piss knocked out of him and and uh, he he went away for a while and he came back and he actually got some really good insights into the gaming industry. So that was that was kind of cool to see. Maybe I don't, I don't know if Chris Roberts is going to do the same thing. He definitely needs a timeout, regardless whether yeah. he learns anything or not. You need to put him. I don't in know. I, I, I still, I, I can forgive him because Dungeon Siege was just so fun. Fair. It was enjoyable. Anyway, Jeremy, yes. uh, a while back, your Farscape reference was. Mm, thank you so much. Appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> well, I know Let's... YouTube doesn't let us use real words anymore, so I had to. <laughs> Let's seamlessly transition into the review portion of this podcast. Uh, Josh, will you tell us about? Wow. The Loop Deck Live the S. Loop Deck. You know, Loop Deck is it's a it's a strange name, but you know, the more you say it, the more it just rolls off your tongue. Loop deck. Loop deck. Wow. I don't think they're ever going to use me for marketing from here on out, and that's that's okay. But Loop Deck was a uh, a stream deck uh, designer that actually was recently bought up by a industry giant otherwise known as Logitech. And so they're now integrated into the entire Logitech uh, ecosystem, or at least getting there. Um, so it is uh, one of their entry-level uh, stream decks. It's got 15 touch-sensitive buttons, two volume nods, no, 
or well, you can you can apply those to to more things than just volume, uh, and and four physical buttons, and you can program these things uh, pretty dramatically. The Loop Deck software is is surprisingly solid. Uh, they continue to update it. Uh, they've uh, actually, uh, gosh, what what is it? They just added to um, some rather large stream deck type. I'd have to look it up. Sorry. Yeah, I can't remember either, but they're constantly updating it and adding stuff to it. Yeah, but I mean, they you know they have uh, you know VMAX support, uh, OBS, OBS of course, yes. These are all just baked in, and you can get more in their little store. Yeah, yeah, and and they have you know downloads that uh, you can get from their store. Uh, the The software is actually really really nicely configurable. Um, You can just create multiple different uh, work uh, stations. You know, you, you got profiles. Um, it's got native support for, you know, a lot of the Adobe products and After Effects and and, and all that stuff where you can do a lot of fine tuning of, of colors because they've, they've, you know, you, you, you do some functions in, in these programs, you assign them to the, the buttons, you do the buttons, and then you use the knobs to adjust stuff. I mean, it's just... And I, I, maybe I'm not presenting this very well, but it's a really interesting visual tool that is tactile for when you're doing these applications. So uh, you can create, you know, sound effects that you can apply during your Twitch stream of, you know, somebody doing the drum when when you tell a joke or, or cheers and stupid stuff like that. Soundboards, um, and and you can go through layer after layer after layer and program those things in. So you, you can have, you know, 45 buttons available to yourself at any one time, just by, you know, kind of clicking through. And if you don't memorize keyboards, if you're not great at that, each of the things you can program an icon for. So for example, uh, they have Microsoft, uh, flight 2020, um, that you can apply a lot of those settings to, so, like, you know, instead of hunting around your keyboard and trying to find, you know, release the brake, put down the gear, do the flaps, you can do the flaps to one of the, the volume controls. So you can adjust through clicks, you know, what how, what flap settings you want. You, you, you see, you look in there, it's like, I want to lower the gear. Instead of hunting down for G on your keyboard, which, you know, sounds kind of easy, but, you know, there's 110 keys on that stinking thing. And you look over there and it's like, oh, it's my top right that's where I have my gear and you just press it. It's, it's just an easier way to get some of this functionality. Uh, the, the screen just is kind of a basic uh, LCD. Originally thought it was kind of an OLED due to the lighting, but that's not correct. So it's just a backlit LCD again, programmable buttons, touch sensitive for those 15, uh, buttons on the front. And it's a really, solidly built little thing it's it's slightly larger than a cell phone and you just have a tremendous amount of functionality that you can apply to it especially you know if if you are a photo editor uh there are some things that you know adjusting uh tint and 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 color uh with the knob and and seeing it going back and forth that way is just easier it's a tactile experience and, uh, you know, if, if you've got your workflow and you take the time and you kind of program that in, which is really easy with the software that they provide, um, it could be a very rewarding experience to you, not just, you know, for people who stream. 
stuff. Uh, but they're adding to it all the time. Uh, Logitech is putting a lot of money into it. And uh, I mean, they, they, they want to keep up with Elgato, which was bought out by Corsair, right? Am I correct? Mm. Yeah. And so we're seeing uh, a lot of, uh, they've, they've got three versions right now of Loop Deck. Loop Deck Live S is the lowest at 189 Um so it's not inexpensive, but if you can utilize that, it's a really nice little product. And I, I found it extremely easy to work with, and I'm turning into a bigger Luddite by the hour, it seems. So you got you know, you to start game a, streaming again, Josh, because you go to that OBS preset and you got things like mm-hmm. start stream, stop stream. Yep. You can yep. set up buttons to change which scene you're in. So you can just show your I face, know. show the game, put yep. yourself in a Nobody box. wants to see my face. It's the your personality-driven, you know, streamer content, Josh. Something like that. Yeah, price, uh, 189 You can get it for a little bit less on sale, but, you know, it's under 200 bucks. Uh, and uh, I gave it the Editor's Choice Award because it's it's well-built. It's got a nice little stand to it. It's got a lot of functionality. It's only, it's not just for streaming. You can apply this to, and it, yeah, you could, any program out there that will have uh, keyboard shortcuts, you can apply those to your stream deck. You can create an icon for whatever function that is. It's just an easy thing to have next to you. It's visual representation of stuff that you use all the time without hunting through keyboards or menus. You just click on that stinking button that you created an icon for, and it just it just works. It's it's nice. Thank you, Josh, for that. And let's move into picks of the week. Josh, are you uh, ready to start talking again? Josh, do you need a break? I see his eyebrows wiggling. He's not frozen. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking. I'm just uh, recovering. What was from, it? From that. All right. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, this, lo- this company yes. name. There was a lot of controversy on last week's show. <laughs> Fanatic. About the pronunciation. Fanatec. Okay. Fanatic. But wait, you said Fanatic. it was Fanatic. I was reprimanded Fanatic. for saying yeah. Fanatec. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. They're German. So, you know. If you want to get into racing, this is one of the better deals out there because you get a really solid and expandable, you know, pedal kit. You have an okay wheel and you've actually got a direct drive um, module that that you can mount either on your desk or on a, you know, dedicated, uh, you know, racing sim setup. And it's the lower end. It's five newton meters, so it's half that of, of some of the other popular ones. But oh, so you won't for, you won't injure yourself, is what you're saying? Exactly. But it's it's going to have so the good realism feedback. lacks. It lacks a little bit if you can't get actually hurt. Hurt by the wheel. I yeah. Think I just want ask, this. Yeah. Instead, just ask Danny Ricardo. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's 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 less than four hundred bucks. I mean, only just barely. And once you get tax and shipping <laughs> and that, it's it's going to be more. But uh, you know, the 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 CSL DD uh, wheel is is what it's a uh, it's one hundred ninety nine bucks when you buy it with this combo, and that is the best deal you will find anywhere for a good solid direct drive uh, setup. 
Josh, how and do you mount it is that expandable. Direct drive. How do you mount hmm? that? That that sort of motor is it has some sort of mounting kit to it? Yeah, there's there's mounts. Uh, the, there's there's uh, standard screw holes in the bottom that use a uh, a ten millimeter uh, type screw. An M M ten ten. I can't okay. remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's stuff that you can get at the hardware store, and oftentimes they will just include these these mount uh, screws. Or hex nuts, um, or bolts mm-hmm. rather, um, and uh, a lot of uh, the the big uh, uh, racing stands and uh, you know sim seats. They all have a standardized kind of bolt thing. So you have a plate and you just screw it on there, and it works. Jeremy, your pick. Back in the day. There was a Pentium FDiv bug, which ruined a whole bunch of scientific experiments. Well, the new generation actually has the same thing because scientists literally had to redo the way that they symbolized human genes in Excel because it would quite helpfully make them all dates. It it would turn... uh, uh, 27 of the genes that they had got completely renamed uh, March 1, which was membrane-associated ring CH type finger 1. Well, no. Excel says that's one mar. And it's incredibly frustrating to try and convince Excel that something it thinks is a date is not a date. Well, after three years, Microsoft has finally published a change that will stop it from doing that after the entire scientific community had to rename these genes so that Excel wouldn't do it. So kids don't use Excel as a database. This is just another reason not to it's, it's not built for it, but they, they do it though, Jeremy in every industry. I know they do. It hurts me. It hurts me deeply, but it's true. And it keeps screwing things up. But yeah, if you're well, too young at least to remember the FDiv bug, look up the FDiv MTM bug because that did some serious at, damage. And this at is least it's not PowerPoint. Uh, Brett, your pick this week. <clears throat> I went with something simple. Unlike the difficult to explain previous picks, this is very straightforward. Do you want the fastest speeds from your cable operator for your internet and your network? This no. is an opportunity for you to buy a Doxus 3.1 from a preferred vendor, in my opinion, Eris. Okay, so it does not have Motor- an objectionable Motorola. name. That's that's a plus. No. We're looking at networking equipment. Eris. Okay. Eris slash Motorola. Wait, is it okay. Eris or Aerith? Isn't that the, the great debate... Uh, wait, no, different, no. different subject. No, okay. no, it's not. No, it's not. It's Eris. Okay. And for a, this is arguably, it's a refurbed unit, but it's very nicely priced. $99.99. Okay. For a 2.5 gigabit, you know, out the backside, Doxus 3.1 <laughs> modem for your cable. <laughs> <laughs> Motley. Uh, <laughs> could you plug two cables in at the same time? Oh, this yeah. is not. Hey, it's called oh, teaming. Not, okay. 
Can you double team <laughs> the back of oh, the Doxus? The no. the SB eight two hundred had the uh, the multiple uh, connections. Hey, this Josh, Josh, single- it says it's approved for use with Cox. Cox, thank you. Know so, what? Well, Cox, so. Spectrum and Spectrum and Xfinity. Infinity. So yeah, but but there's a picture Cox. of the back. I'm not seeing any uh, uh, pics of the uh, back end of this thing. Uh, you that's know what? The, that's... the only fan site. Okay. Oh, wait. There, so there it is. It looks like the back. So it's just cable in two point five out in to your switch. Two point five out to your switch. Okay. All right. All For right. ninety nine bucks, Docs is three point one. Get on board, everybody. Okay. Hey, and I'm sure cable. that your cable provider will absolutely love that you say no, no, no I want to rent. I don't want to rent. I want to bring my own device. And can I read you the MAC address? I'm sorry. I'm sorry that yeah. uh, we cannot find that in our system. We cannot uh, enable. What's a MAC address? All right. Uh, All right. Let me just tell you this. But how you are we going to have push to go through. To you? All right. Hang on. Hang on. You're gonna gonna you're gonna have to go through three super technical, you know, tier two level operators before you get someone who understands the phrase MAC address. But it's going to be worth it. Do is it because I used to have Spectrum and I just gave up yeah. because they would not. And this is un- un- intentional, I'm sure. They would not yeah. well, enable the MAC address of the cable modem that I was trying to bring to the mix. And at some point, it just becomes easier to say, you know what, charge me $5 a month. You know, I don't care. But Oh, now we know what a MAC address is. Please give it to us. <laughs> right, right. Can you give me the <sighs> MAC address of that new modem so we can enable it for you? Exactly. Yes, this is a 2.5 gigabit Doxus 3.1 modem for $99. It's a relative good deal. But hey, Brett, uh, sorry, uh, in the YouTube chat, they're saying that Doxus 4.0 is mind-blowing. You know what? Why would I want to settle for Doxus 3.1? 2.5 gigabit is going to be good enough for 2.5 gigabit. I mean, yeah, but that's just download. What's what's your upload? Yeah. With cable, whatever yeah. they sell you, what, whatever, 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 you. whatever they decide you're allowed to have, uh, slightly yeah. less than whatever they sell you. There's some dude there with a knob that goes, "Today it's one." <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> You've been uploading it's too true. much. This is You've true. been very active on uh, your OnlyFans this month, day. Josh. I wish I wish I was you. making that. I wish I was you're making not. that part up. I'm not. I'm not. I'm hey, not hey, you understand know that with cable. You don't own your own connection. There's no direct connection to your house. There's a box out there on a pole. It's shared. And it's you shared. have to share it with everybody else. Yeah. Fiber yeah. to the street. Yeah, what street? Right. Ain't mine. <laughs> As a satisfied fiber, fiber you know? customer, I'm liking my direct, you know, one gigabit symmetrical connection. Just saying. All right. Uh, my pick of the week. I forgot to do this last week and I was chided right, about right. this by my wife because I actually finally had I told her. I'm like, I'm, I finally have a pick, a real one. Because I went I'm to the store to and I found this. a product that I was excited about and it's cheap. I'm, I'm, I'm going to type this for you. Go, lay it out. It's not cheap. It's inexpensive. That's okay. It's inexpensive. Well, we don't know yet, Josh. It's inexpensive. It might be cheap. It's under $10 US. I went to my there local is. hardware store. And I bought for $6.99 these LED light bulbs. And you'd think, okay, who cares? Like LED light bulbs are a dime a dozen, especially you go buy them on Amazon or something. But these are from uh, the company F-E-I-T. So I don't know how to pronounce that. Fiat, Fiat, Fight. But the, you know the, the dilemma when you're buying 
replacement light bulbs these days. The color uh, temperature is all over the place. It's either way too orange, yellow, or it's an obnoxious blue color, not dissimilar to the lighting behind my head right now. But you don't necessarily want that from your <laughs> simulated soft glow incandescent replacement light bulb situation in your house. Your, your hyperbole is showing. Uh, but look at this. This is color selectable. The light bulb itself has a little toggle switch. It's like a three or well, actually this is like a four position switch. Five. It has a five position switch on it. Are you telling you me can, I can't control the, the color temperature from an app? It. This is not a smart. Yeah, and I didn't want a smart bulb. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with this. I just wanted something. It has a physical switch on it. You can like click it into the twenty seven hundred. It's got Kelvin. a dongle. You can click it to three thousand, which is the uh, the one that my wife prefers, by the way. And then you click it to thirty five. I'm like, ooh, thirty five. That's like neutral light. It's like, mm, I don't like that. It's not warm enough. Like, what? Are you serious? So then we fight it over. Uh, we get to fight over this. And at, uh, at what at what Kelvin did she say it wasn't warm enough? She thought okay. She thought that thirty five hundred Kelvin was not warm enough. What? That's a bit toasty. And what? I think it's because of this. Honestly, okay. A lot of this has to do with your shade. Think about it. The dynamics of light, the the shade itself, adding warmth or coolness possibly to the light or diminishing the light. Not at thirty five hundred Kelvin. Is it cool? It it seemed <laughs> no. that way to her when she's used to twenty seven because that's what I had in this light before. I replaced oh, a couple okay. of lights with uh, these right. bulbs, and it's it seemed a little. I could just, I could slowly, and that's the great thing. You can train uh, your your the significant other. other. The other humans. Well, the other humans. Just click it one more yeah, click towards the blue. Like, oh, uh, 2,700. What about 3,000 this week? Will she notice? Will she say anything? And then 3,500. Walk into End the blue game. light. Walk into End the blue game. light. <laughs> And then maybe go crazy 4,000 Kelvin. Although oh, I didn't really believe. Don't I don't know what's going on with these LED light uh, Kelvin temperatures anyway. 4K. I don't believe they're actually accurate. Let's do some testing on this because I use photo lights like this LED panel here. It's one of those newer panels from Amazon. It's around 5,000, 5,500, somewhere in that range. Color temperature. I have my camera set to 5,200 Kelvin right now. And it's reasonably approximate you know what i see here as far as lighting goes but the 5000 on this is basically blue so i i don't know where they're getting that from yeah 5k at yeah, blue yeah it's only $6.99 so it, yeah this is not like if if i could buy these for 6.99 and get like true neutral photo quality yeah, yeah. I, that would be you know remarkable they're only 800 lumens. It's not the brightest. It's a 60-watt replacement. They also sold 100-watt replacement. So, I mean, go nuts. Maybe should have gotten that. Maybe you should have gotten that one. Maybe. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I was I was there. It was inexpensive. It's only 8.8 watts. And they even have dimmable. You know, the last I, time I said that in Amsterdam, I had to go to the doctor. It was there. It was inexpensive. Wow. Josh, you needed penicillin or antibiotics after that one. I Something like that. Yeah. Well, how, about, how about just better better choices? <laughs> David in the chat. Get light testing equipment. Sure. I'm going to buy light <laughs> testing equipment for my home to make, you know, possibly. Leave Brittany alone. <laughs> 
Oh no, not again. <laughs> Leave Brittany alone. All right. Yeah, you did it. Thanks. Um I think it's gonna do it. That's gonna wrap up our show for this week. I wanna thank everybody uh for watching, listening to our podcast, and uh happy Halloween, by the way, if you or participating in any of those festivities. I've had way too much of it. The amazing thing about having a young kid in school is that there's the trunk-or-treat day, there's the any workplace trick-or-treats going on. There was one of those tonight at my wife's job. There's uh, uh, the actual trick-or-treating on Halloween, which seems like a letdown at this point, because he's already gone trick-or-treating like four times. Wow. We want to thank everybody for watching, listening, and uh, on behalf of everybody here at PC Perspective, uh, we'll see you next week. Live long and prosper. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's another myth. I have been, this has been sitting down here for years, and I saw it today. I'm like, why? I need to use this. Yeah. Yes. On the podcast. Look, I still have the uh, the tag from Think Geek. My sister bought this for me years ago. Oh, Think God. Geek hasn't existed in a long no, time. No, that's, that's collector's edition now. Oh, I know. That's why I should never use it. Look at the Think Geek tag. On it right wow. There. Oh.